Bonjour, and welcome to the second week of Minus You. Last week, I introduced you all to the During chapter, in which my first episode, Defining My Value, I discussed my discovery of the sense and value and reasoning that evolved throughout my relationship. I spoke about some fairly intense topics, such as the house altercation between Nicholas and I, and touched pretty briefly on the issues that his family presented me with. This week's episode is called Allowing Abuse, and where we will explore the timeline and the lovely issues that interwined itself between Nicholas and I over the years due to some really ugly interactions. If you thought last week's episode was heavy, this one packs a punch for sure. It was actually really difficult for me to write this one as I was sitting down and reflecting on these events. In life, we all meet people that we just don't really like. You know, not everyone is meant to be best friends, and not everyone works well together. And that's perfectly normal and perfectly okay. But it does present an incredibly difficult problem when the people that we strongly dislike are kind of forced to be around us. This was the case with Nicholas's mother, Jen. Jen was not sure about me from day one. When I met Nicholas, I was actually kind of seeing somebody else at the time. I was not officially with this other person. They had made it very clear about that, and so I decided that I was going to pursue other people if this person didn't find value to make it official with me, and I came across Nicholas by chance on the horrible app we know as Tinder. Honestly, I do not think a lot of people know this. We actually did meet on Tinder. We were going to keep this a secret until we got married. But um, I guess that's kind of irrelevant now. So, but yeah, we, we did meet on Tinder. It's uh, one swipe changed my whole life. I was back and forth between Nicholas and the other person I was seeing at the time. And I, I literally was back and forth. I ended up like choosing the other person. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this didn't change anything. I made a mistake. And then I came back to Nicholas and apologized and, you know, wanted to prove to him that, that I, he was valuable to me and that I did want to be with him. And from that point on, you know, we were together. So Jen knew about this whole runaround, and it made her unsure about my loyalty from the first mention of me. Now, if I was a mother, if I was in Jen's shoes, I probably would also be a little bit worried about it. I don't blame her for feeling that way in the beginning, because frankly, she had no idea who I was besides the very little amount of information that she had on me, which most of the information wasn't that great, because I'm sure Nicholas was like, hey, I really like this girl, but she's like kind of in between me and some other guy, which doesn't really sound great. Um, unfortunately, over time, the dislike that she had for me didn't improve with me showing her that I loved her son and that I was loyal to him and that I loved him. It actually just got worse, like incredibly worse. In the first year of our relationship, the main message and main conflict that was sent from Jen is that I was ripping Nicholas away from his family. At this time, it was the beginning of COVID. So this is like March of 2020. When we went into lockdown, I actually moved in with Nicholas. My mom was rationing goldfish into plastic bags, like literally taking out plastic sandwich bags and rationing out goldfish. And so I like packed up a little bag and I was like, I'm going to go see Nicholas. And then just like didn't come home for like a month. Which I like, I kept in contact with my family, but I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to quarantine in the rationing goldfish house, which was, it's kind of a meme. So we made our own little home in his apartment after his roommates moved out. And it's honestly one of my favorite memories with him. 
we would visit our families, but the majority of the time we were binge-watching TV shows like Tiger King and Toddlers and Tiaras and playing Fortnite and eating excessive amounts of double bubblegum. Excuse me, we weren't ingesting it. We were just chewing a lot of double bubblegum. This made Jen really mad. She wanted her son to be at home, and she wanted all of her children under the same roof. To be fair to her, I also somewhat kind of understand her want for this during that time. COVID was a completely new thing and really scary, and there was a lot of things that we didn't know. But the way she took out this emotion was planting seeds of contempt that just grew and grew for years to come. I was the problem. Frankly, I was always the problem. It was my fault that Nicholas wasn't living at home. I had had a few arguments over this with him, actually. I told him that he was his own man. He is more than welcome to visit his family. And I encouraged it. But I told him I just didn't see a reason for us to live apart during that time. I said, you know, there's no reason for us to not live together in the apartment and go visit family during this time. We were very attached to one another, and we were building a really deep sense of connection that we held for years with one another. We were we were basically inseparable. I mean, even when we broke up, it was like, you know, like I said, it's really hard sometimes because we we connected on such a deep level. So eventually, he did move back to his mom's place for a while and kind of realized that I was right about what I had said. We weren't actually allowed to see each other during the time where Nicholas moved home because Jen didn't like the idea of, like, COVID exposure since my mom was working at the hospital. So we weren't even able to visit. We would see each other in secret at the park for a few hours outside before he would go back home. I actually, I think I still have some photos of it somewhere of us, like, in a hammock, like, secretly meeting each other without his parents knowing. Over a few weeks, Nicholas agreed, yeah, I'm right. We, you know, we should be able to to spend time together and live together. So we moved back to the apartment together for like maybe a little bit over a month before moving home because we worked in the summer. So remember those seeds that I mentioned that were planted by Jen? They definitely sprouted in this time because it was my fault that her son left the nest and chose a new path of independence. I was the woman that stole her adult son from the nest. Over the summer, there was some pretty serious forest fires in Oregon. Like, the whole sky turned orange, and it looked like I was literally living on Mars. 2020 was a really bad year. I think we all know that. Jen was incredibly kind in actually opening up her home for me. And she even, I think she even invited my family over, that they were welcome to come and stay for a while since, um the uh, city I was living in was much worse than where they were at. Even over that summer, I was invited on a beach trip with their family, and it was a lot of fun. I think my best memories with the family were probably in 2020. Things were really fine through summer, fall, and winter of 2020. She supported me at a pageant that I was competing in, and I remember writing her a thank you card, and I remember writing, like, thank you so much for being my second mom, because I think we had a really good relationship for for that period of time. Even over Christmas that year, I was invited to go to Walt Disney World with his family, and that was really great as well. Things really didn't get bad again until February of 2021, which was Nicholas and I's one-year anniversary. For our one-year anniversary, I bought Nicholas and I a trip to Hawaii. I paid for like 90% of the trip. He helped me with the rental car expense and the food. Everything else was from me. The trip was only three days in Oahu, so it was 
a, like a really short and pretty fast trip. The first two days of our trip were awesome. Day three, not so much. It was our beach day and I was surfing for the first time. Now, I grew up my whole life wanting to learn how to surf and this was actually the first time I'd ever tried, which was really cool that I was doing it in like a bikini and in warm water and in Hawaii and not in a wetsuit and like 30 degree water in Oregon. The coral was kind of sharp in the water, but Nicholas would come out and would kind of like swim around with me and try to surf. Like neither of us were good at all. Like I don't think either of us stood up, but I was just really happy to try it. For about an hour, Nicholas would kind of go in and out of shore, complaining about his feet hurting on the coral. I offered him multiple solutions, but his choice was to just keep complaining. Like, he would go out, complain about it, and I'd be like, hey, why don't you go sit on the beach and, you know, have a drink and relax? And then he would go back, and then he'd come back, and I'd be like, well, no, I want to be with you, and then he would just complain. And I'd say, well, how about you go back and get your water shoes? And he was like, oh, I don't want to. And it just it just kept happening again and again. It just it made me really upset, and eventually I was just, I went back to the beach, I packed up our stuff, and I went back to our room. Because I told him I was tired of the complaining when I offered multiple different solutions, and he was just kind of ruining things for me out there. So I called my mom and went for a walk. He followed me, and I ended up going to the rest. He went to the restroom, and I walked away when he went to the restroom. Like, I was like, I don't know. I can't make it any more obvious than this, dude. Like, I need some time on my own. He was calling me and texting me where I was, but I just, I was, I needed space, and I was pretty upset. So I called him about an hour and a half later, and he sounded pretty mad. I told him we could meet back at the Airbnb. And he was very mad that I didn't tell him where I was. I explained that I obviously needed some time alone. And his response for that was, I was about to take the seven o'clock flight home. That was it for me. I took off my promise ring and I threw it at him. And like, we fought. I was so pissed. He was so pissed. And we were both super overexhausted. He called his mom, and his mom booked him a flight home. I am not kidding you. She actually booked him a flight home. Knowing that I had paid for this trip, and that he had a ticket home about 12 hours from now. Nicholas packed up his suitcase, and I panicked. I was on the floor, sobbing, begging for him to stay. He said he was leaving because his mom already booked it, and I told him that if he left me there, that this was it. Like, I was done. I was never going to speak to him again. I even paid his mom for the price of the ticket that she bought, and her response to me was, I value the safety over my son, over whatever your needs are, and that I was abusive. He ended up not leaving, and we laid in bed silently for the rest of the night in, like, kind of like pure shock. After Hawaii, I was labeled as abusive and manipulative by Jen all the way through the end of Nicholas and I's relationship, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that she still says that today. After Hawaii, things were never really good again. Everything was always my fault. I was always the bad guy. I was a horrible woman. In spring of 2021, before Nicholas and I considered moving to Florida, we were considering living together in Oregon. Jen set up a private family meeting and where she told Nicholas that he needs to reconsider being with me because I have endometriosis, which may affect my fertility. And he needs to consider that his children might be deaf. My dad is deaf. And if he wants to deal with these things. She made it very clear that Nicholas needs to think long and hard about choosing me as his woman because there were things that made me just inadequate for her son. Now, these things that she were mentioning... These are things I cannot change about myself. 
these are things that she entirely used against me in her battle to eliminate me. This made me incredibly upset, and this wounded me deeply. How could I have ever been good enough to be with her son? You know, if my physical body, my health, and my family's health was unworthy of being with her son. So my love, my caring, my affection just wasn't good enough. It was like, like literally, like my body was like, no, you're, that body isn't even good enough. Summer of 2021, Nicholas and I, you know, got the opportunity to move to Florida. And I remember when we told his mom, it was this big celebration for like one or two days. And then it, it went right on back to it's Madeline's fault that you're leaving home and she's ripping you from the family. There was family photos before we moved and I was not invited, nor was I welcome. Jen wanted final photos with just her family. I was an outsider, which that wasn't the final time they had family photos without me. This was a, a pretty consistent thing that would happen that was felt kind of passive aggressive to me. And, and just, it was a little bit hurtful. You know, I don't need to be in every photo, but just even if I wasn't in any of the photos, just her extending the invitation to show that she valued me as a member of, of the family, an extension of the family, you know, would have meant a lot for me. And that just, that really, really hurt me, especially where I come from a home that of, of divorce and the idea of a broken family that I thought I was going to find a new family with the person that I was going to marry was, was so exciting for me. And it just, the dreams just die. It's, it's very sad. When we were actually at the airport to fly off to Orlando the day that we moved, she hugged Nicholas goodbye and didn't say a single word to me. She didn't say a word to my mom, didn't hug me, nothing. She just left. Jen made it very clear I was not welcome, I was not one of them, and I was most definitely not liked and not loved. Flash forward to humid Florida in December of 2021. Nicholas is asking his parents for permission to propose to me. And Jen rolls her eyes and says, I knew it was going to be somebody who drove me crazy. Nicholas and I's first engagement was pretty bad. I initiated it being broken off and us trying again at a better time when we could prioritize each other and not working and making money and, and building a life. Jen hated me even more. It was my fault. I hurt her son. I hurt her family's reputation. Nicholas and I look into renewing our lease, and her suggestion is to do month to month because our relationship was not stable and that I was going to leave him. And then, you know, April and May comes around. Then comes the house, and she convinces him to take it from me and to leave me. In the end, the last conversation I had with Jen was when I called her after I found out that Nicholas was cheating. Her response was a long sigh and, oh boy. I asked her why she didn't tell me, and she said that it's because she didn't want to get into our business. I said that it was obvious that he was looking for sex because of his profile and his description. Her question was, her comment was, how often are you guys having sex? I try really hard not to do things that I regret. But my biggest life regret is answering that question. When Nicholas called his family and confessed that he was cheating to each of his family members, they all kind of had the same response. You can finally get out of this relationship. She doesn't love you. She doesn't make you happy. You can finally focus on yourself. Jen, Nicholas's sister, and even his dad. They all essentially gave him a pat on the back and ten bucks. Nicholas didn't say a word. 
that's the moment I realized I had to leave and that I had to walk away. In later conversations, I learned that Jen was begging Nicholas to leave me for a very long time. This was a constant. I knew that I was never welcome. This was all behind the scenes and passive-aggressive towards me. Now you know the abuse. But why is the episode called Allowing Abuse? The point of this is, Nicholas never put a stop to this. He never once stood by my side proclaiming that I was his woman and that Jen didn't have a right to speak about me that way. His response when I would cry and beg him to stand up for me and express how hurt I was over these things is that he was a victim and that it wasn't fair for me to ask for him to pick between his mother and me. He would tell me that he could not control how his mother felt about me or what she said about me, which this is true, but it doesn't negate the fact that he should have stood up for me. You know, no, he can't control what comes out of his mother's mouth, but he can create boundaries and he can say these things are inappropriate and have some kind of response for it other than just kind of like allowing it to continue happening. Nicholas had created this really lovely scale that worked out in his favor. So he would say just enough to me to make me feel like he might be doing something about his mother's emotional abuse. And then he would say just not enough to make Jen feel like she could keep going. I did not say anything for years. I finally did, after Nicholas took the house from me. Jen has a seven-page letter from me, typed single-spaced, explaining how she made me feel, explaining the things that she had done to me, and how if and when the relationship ended, she would have to carry a partial weight of her severing a promising relationship. And when I sent that letter, Nicholas almost left me forever over me finally expressing my hurt. A few months after I moved home to Oregon, I called Nicholas. We sat and we cried for hours and realized that we had lost each other and that we had made a really grave mistake. We did consider getting back together, actually. I told him that I would be willing to face his family again with him beside me. I was willing to face Jen as a couple and to truly present her with the show that we were a team and that Nicholas and I Nicholas and I were a team and that we were here to stay. I told him that I really did want a relationship with his family, a healthy relationship with fam- with his family because I truly did. I hated the battle. I hated being hated for being human for being an imperfect person just like everybody else is, just like her son is, just like she is, just like I am, just like my brother is. Nobody is perfect. I hated loving her son to the best of my ability, in which, you know, my ability would vary through situations that we were faced with in life, just like Nicholas would. His ability to show me love would vary depending on what was going on in our lives. And I just, I really hated being disliked so much. Jen and I really weren't that different as people. Our stories are oddly similar, and it kind of makes me wonder why she ever treated me so harshly when she had experienced such similar life hardships to me. I even sometimes have dreams about sitting down with her and begging to come up with a solution, because in reality, it actually could have been done. Nicholas and I could have done it, but Nicholas chose the safety of his family and of his mother again, 
because his family said that they would disown him if he ever spoke to me. Excuse me, if he ever spoke to me again. What Jen did, what Jen chose to do, has definitely altered me mentally. I struggle a lot, pretty deeply, with my identity as a worthy woman, as I, I gave everything to her son to the best of my ability. And all I received in return from Jen was just this emotional abuse. What Nicholas did not do has also altered me. I begged for help and received gaslighting instead. Devastatingly enough, I think that if Nicholas had faced this issue years ago, I think our relationship might have still been here today. I remember having an argument with him in the parking lot very early in our relationship about us living together during COVID. And I remember telling him, I said, this issue isn't going to go away. Like, I, I need you to know, and this is me at like 18 years old, I need you to know this isn't going to go away. This is going to keep happening if we don't figure out how to fix this issue. And he's like, no, no, that's not true. You know, just give her time. And like, in the end, unfortunately, like I was right. It, um... It did continue and it did get worse and it did quite possibly play a huge role in our relationship ending. It was something that really cut me deeply and it affected almost every conflict in our lives. Nicholas chose to blatantly prioritize his mother feeling his mother's feelings over the woman who was going to be his wife. There was allowed abuse for a very long time. Sometimes I wonder if it was really just me, that she just hated Madeline as a person so much that it was really all my fault. And sometimes I wonder if I could have ever been enough. But most of the time at the end of that sitting and, and self-reflection moments, I remember that the reality is, is that she probably would have printed Nicholas divorce paperwork and he would have listened to her. My last and most recent interaction with Jen was a very one-sided interaction. I was going through some boxes the other day in my garage and I opened up one of them because, you know, Nicholas and I were going to move together. So I found some stuff that was his that ended up, you know, 3,000 miles away. And one of those things was a scrapbook that his mother had made for him before we moved to Florida. So I sat down and I opened it up. And, you know, of course I cried. These are photos of the man that I thought I was going to marry growing up as a child. And looking at these photos and feeling so much sadness and so much hurt that, you know, I wanted to replicate these photos with our own family. You know, this was the person that I really wanted to do it with, even though it was really hard sometimes. It was very sad. And I kind of came to this sad realization in a weird sense of peace that, like, Nicholas really was the person that I was meant to be with. Whether that was for that time or whether we meet again one day, which, you know, I don't think we will, but, and it was just really sad to think that we had just, we were just killing each other. We're just shooting each other in, in different directions and just killing what love we had left. I sat down with a notebook and I actually wrote Jen a five-page letter, handwritten, and I told her that I, you know, I miss her son every day. I see Nicholas everywhere I go. You know, I, I, I hear him. I see him in things that I do and groceries that I buy at the store, in driving and songs. 
in the sky and the moon. It's, you know, he, he still, he still lives in me and in my heart. And that I do believe that Nicholas was, was my soulmate in a way. And that if we just could have gotten it right, I think that it would have been something really beautiful because it was something beautiful that got turned into something really harsh and sad and ugly over time. I also told her that I forgive her and I don't hold a grudge anymore and that I'm letting it go, that it's gone. And if I ever do see her again, if our paths ever do cross again, that I wish her well and I have no reason to be angry with her or frown at her, you know, I would smile and it's going to be something that I live by now because, because I've said it and because I've chosen to say it, I get to live by that now. And it's been a huge thing that I've gotten to take with me now because it's been a, it's a large part of my healing process. Being able to let that go and choose to lay down her choices at the foot of the cross. This is something my mom told me. Lay down her choices at the foot of the cross and not lay them down at her. I spoke with a friend who heard that she had gotten the letter and had gotten the scrapbook and she actually just threw the letter away. I don't even know if she read it. I think that speaks volumes to her and her character rather than anything about me. And I think that speaks volumes to our interactions over the years where the problem really lied. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I've been going to counseling and I have learned that families like this and issues like this is something that we call enmeshment. Bringing real change healthcare defines an enmeshed family as a trait of family dysfunction that in involves poorly defined or non-existent boundaries. So unhealthy relationship patterns and a lack of independence among family members. Everyone that is not them is an outsider. And it will always be that way until Nicholas sees this and acknowledges it and wants to create a healthier relationship for him and his family, that he wants to be an independent man, he wants his own family in conjunction to his family and his wife's family, and to prioritize his household and his wife and his children one day, I'm sad to say, but it's never going to change. If you are experiencing this, whether you're a guy or a girl, please know that there are people that really know what you're going through. It's a very isolating experience for both sides of, this, of the relationship to be emotionally abused like that. You feel like you're hanging on by a thread to your future spouse, and you're just begging for a choice to be made that not only upholds your value, but your relationship's value, which is, is priceless. A moment like that would have been priceless to me. So, you may be experiencing this emotional abuse right now. What can you do? Unfortunately, I cannot give you any success stories, but I can offer solutions that I suggested to Nicholas when we were talking about getting back together that he sadly declined in hopes of ease in a new relationship. First off, you will need to sit down with your partner and genuinely and calmly express your feelings and your hurt. This moment is very important because this moment will show you how your partner is going to deal with your feelings and what kind of action they will take. In that conversation, your partner will either choose to stand by you and face this together or choose to gaslight you and play a victim as well. If your partner chooses to stand by you, you will come up with a plan together 
to fortify, establish, and express a relationship that can stand tests of judgment from these family members. If your partner chooses to gaslight you, you are going to have to make a harder choice. You may have to face this alone. You can choose to go directly to the source of the problem and try to create a conversation that leads to a solution with that person. This may make your partner upset and angry, as they are probably telling you not to mention the issue to the perpetrator. But if you can resolve this issue with the family member directly, then you and your partner won't have to deal with this conflict anymore. Not saying it won't ever come up again, but the fact that there was willingness to come to the table from the family member where you were with, you know, it's just a huge indicator that the issue can be solved again if it happens again, which maybe it will and maybe it won't. The other option is that neither the family member or your partner is interested in fixing the situation in a way that makes you feel valued and respected. This is the really hard truth, but until there is a change on either sides of this, you will always stand alone until you, the previous two scenarios work out at some point, um, in, in, in some shape or form. You will have to make an insanely hard choice. Do you want to stand alone indefinitely? So indefinitely means it may not be that way forever, but for the for an un, unknown amount of time, you will have to stand alone with this family and with your partner. This may affect your children, your self-esteem, your relationship with your in-laws, obviously, your relationship with your spouse, and this will kind of be a constant until a solution is reached. And if the solution that's being chosen is making you feel silenced, disrespected, unvalued, and unheard, I'm sorry to say that isn't really a solution as much as you want it to be so badly for the sake of your relationship. You think you can bend so far until you bend until you break. I apologize to my listeners for not having a better or happier story for you guys on this topic. Trust me, I truly wish I had one for you. Relationships with your partner's family members is something that will be around forever. Their relationship with you doesn't just affect you, but it affects your partner's perspective of you and, truly, their mental and emotional well-being. It's a scary but very true statement. But a hopeful reminder, if you both want it, every issue you face can be fixed. If a house has a light bulb out, you don't sell the house, you replace the light bulb even if it's a really inconvenient size or really high up on the ceiling. Again, the issue may seem very scary, daunting, or like a death sentence to your relationship. It is not. With hard work, rebuilding trust, rebuilding love, and creating healthy habits from both people involved, both, both you and your spouse, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your partner, it has to be both people. The conflict you are facing can be a building block that exists in your relationship from your past. I will see you next week for the third episode of the During Chapter of Minus You, which is called Backstage Backstabbing, in which we will explore in-depth, behind-the-scenes events and commentary that was happening right under my nose in my own relationships that was unbeknownst to me killing my relationship. 
even me. Until next week, adios.